Let's stand together and let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and his reign over the house of Jacob. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Father, we thank you for your word and the deliverance of your word to us today. Lord, just let our hearts as we uh, think about the glory and the wonder of this season, let our hearts be awakened to your will. Father, let our spirits be stirred by you. Let us see the path that you would have us to walk that is before us. And let us truly be a people of your kingdom. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you made an appointment with God? Have you been keeping your appointment with God? I want to keep challenging this relationship, this walk with God is a personal one. And we learn a lot of things about him in the corporate setting. We get to experience his presence as we worship in the corporate setting. But that doesn't take away from the importance of your personal connection with God. And as you walk through that, we want you to think and, uh, about and, and, and ask God to reveal to you a bit about his glory as we talk about this Christmas season, as you read through uh, the Christmas story. And remember, God's glory is revealed to us in creation. It's revealed to us in his wisdom. It's revealed to us in his power. You, know, you wonder as you, you hear this story today, uh, what Mary may have been thinking about her child having a kingdom that would never end. What does he mean by a kingdom that will never end? Let me give you a little bit of insight into that today. In some of the very last days before the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus is talking to them, to the disciples, about the future. He predicts the destruction of the temple that will happen in the next 30 to 40 years by about 70 A.D. There's rebellion in Jerusalem and the Roman army comes in and just uh, wipes everything out and absolutely burns, tears down, destroys uh, the temple. He looks past that, though, to the very end of times. And the times before he comes to set up his rule on earth, and Jesus shares these words about those times. He says, for nation will rise against nation. And capture this, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now, he, he's not repeating himself there. He's identifying two different groups, Nash, nations that are established nations, and the conflict they will have with each other, and kingdoms, 
A kingdom can be a lot of things. A kingdom can be an ethnic group of people opposed to another ethnic group of people. A kingdom, it can be systems of belief and systems of action. So you might think of, uh, of things like the samurai code and that being a kingdom, a way a group of people live or the knight's code of chivalry and the way they approach life and the commitments that they make. It can be a political party. It can be uh, things like communism is a kingdom. Buddhism, Hinduism are kingdoms. Atheism are, is, is a kingdom. A kingdom is identified as any group of people who come together around a common system of beliefs and a common code of conduct. And these codes, they can be, uh, they can be very, very serious codes of belief and codes of actions that they say this is a higher code of action than anything I feel or anything else I may or may not want to do. These codes, if it's broken, if a person breaks that code, it, they may simply be rejected by the group, expelled from the group, dismissed from the group. In other cases, in real extreme cases, they may lose their life for breaking the code of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying kingdoms are going to come into conflict. And Jesus is saying, God is saying, that Jesus is here to establish a kingdom, a code of conduct, a, a belief system, a faith system, a way of acting that is a kingdom that is never going to end. Now, the basic code for the kingdom of, of God is this. It's found in Matthew 22 when the teacher, when the, when the man says to Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first command. First thing in the kingdom is we've got to love God. You, you, we want to please him first. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're to treat other people with love. This is a basic summation of how the conduct of followers of Christ is supposed to be lived out. Now, he, he tells us it's basic because he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what he's saying is this is, this is the kingdom code for the follower of, a, of, of Christ. Love God, love others as yourself. But then Jesus goes on and says, this code is fully revealed, <coughs> excuse me, fully understood as we understand the moral law. That we can't trust ourselves to say, okay, this is, this is how love acts. That we have to look deeper into the revelation of God to us for us to know how love acts. We can't depend on our feelings and we can't depend on our judgments. We can't depend on our ideas. We must look to the, to the rest of the code, to the rest of the teaching to understand how this code uh, unfolds. This is very, very important 
for us to discover and understand today because today people are taking this code of Christ and they're saying, oh, if you love God, this is how you act. If you love God, this is what you accept. If you love God, this is how you see the world. And yet it's contrary to the rest of the, of the law and the prophets. It's the opposite of what the rest of the, of the word says. And God would say, that's, that's not the code at all. If you're going to understand the code, you've got to understand the law and the prophets. We get invited by Jesus into this kingdom. At some point in time, if, you were, if you're a born-again believer, there was a point in time in your life when the Spirit of God, through preaching, through somebody sharing a testimony, through something going on in your life, when the Spirit of God spoke to your heart and you realized, I need to ask Christ into my life. And you did that. Now, when you did that, when you make that pledge, this is the pledge uh, that we make. It's found in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Have you done that? That's, how, that's the door into the kingdom. That's the pledge into the kingdom. Lord, I come to you. I confess that you're the Lord of my life. What does that mean? I'm not the Lord of my life anymore. My culture's not the Lord of my life anymore. Uh, nothing outside of me or inside of me is now the Lord of my life. I confess that you are the Lord of my life. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. That's what Jesus came to do. And we come to him and we say, you're it. I pledge myself that you're the Lord of my life. I'm not going to listen to my desires. I'm not going to follow how I was raised. I'm not going to pay attention to what my culture is telling me is right and wrong or what to do. I am looking solely to you as my Lord to guide my life. I'm not going to trust myself in this anymore. You're the Lord of my life. Have you done that? Have you done that? And I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to rest in him for the salvation of my soul. In other words, I'm not trying to work at this anymore. It's not how many times I come to church. It's not how much money I give. It's not how many classes I take and pass. Lord, I, none of that stuff is what's getting me into It's not that I'm a nicer guy than my neighbor or a nicer guy than my coworker. It's none of that stuff. I am trusting solely in the work of Jesus on the cross for the salvation of my soul. Now, when you do that, there are three certainties that you're going to face. Here's the first certainty. There will always be people who resist Jesus' kingdom code. There always have been from the days of Cain and Abel till today. There are people who resist the kingdom code, and it's offensive to them when you live it, and they're going to resist you as you try to live it. Number two, there will always be people who are casual with Jesus' kingdom code. There will always be people who come around and say they're a part of the kingdom and that they really believe in the kingdom, 
but they're casual with it. They're half-hearted with it. They excuse things away. The Bible calls them hypocrites. The Bible calls them people who are lukewarm, that he's going to spew out of his mouth. They, they, they say Jesus is their Lord, but they accept the pressure of the world. They accept the pressure of their own flesh. They don't wholeheartedly determine to follow Jesus' way. There will always be people like that until Jesus comes. And there will always, listen, this is the good news. There will always be people who are seriously committed to Jesus' code, to his kingdom code. This earth is the great testing ground. Will we commit to Jesus' code? Let's think for a second. If God let everybody into heaven today, everybody into heaven, how would heaven be any different than this earth? How would it be any different? If everybody just living, ignoring him and rebellion to him, and they just got in. No, it wouldn't be any different. In the days of King Solomon, he had just uh, finished building the temple. And he calls out to all of Israel to come to Jerusalem. The temple's been finished. This place where the presence of God was going to rest. And they come and they have this major celebration. And they celebrate the building of the temple. They celebrate, uh, they celebrate how God has brought them from the land of Egypt throughout these hundreds of years now into, the, into a land that is their own. And they've now built this marvelous temple where the presence of God is going to be and where the sacrifices will take place and where all of these things will happen. And he prays at this asking God, to be patient with them when they fail and to continue to reveal himself to them. And he prays and thanks God for all the things that God has done. And he thanks him for his blessing upon them. And he prays that the people will always serve God in, their, in, the, in the way they walk. And in his benediction, just before he sends the people back home, Solomon says to them, let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord your God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as, as at this day. As we have done today, let us always keep and serve God wholeheartedly. The call was, not to, was for us not to serve other things. The call was for the people not to worship other gods and their perceived kingdoms. And that call is the same today for anyone who comes into the kingdom of, of God. We come into it by making that initial pledge, you are the Lord of my life and I will trust you for my salvation. So we've got to ask this question. How can I be wholeheartedly true to God when I have this sin nature that is beat within my heart? I have this culture that pushes against me. I have desires in my flesh that want to live by their own 
in their own will, in their own way. How am I wholeheartedly uh, in service of God when there, there, there can really be things I don't know? I don't even know that I'm doing wrong. So do, do I have to study and really understand the fullness of the knowledge of all the rules of the kingdom to be wholeheartedly God? How much do I have to know before I can be part of his kingdom? This is one of the great things of the kingdom. God makes it really easy for us. He just invites us to surrender our heart to him. Now, here's the formula for the wholehearted commitment. And it's all in this commitment. Here's the first step. What do I know now about his kingdom? And, and maybe, maybe for somebody, the only thing they know now, they come and they, they feel this tug of Christ on their heart and they surrender their heart to God and yet about living in the kingdom, maybe the only thing they know is, uh, boy, I, I, should, I should probably start going to church and learning about this. And they may know nothing else. They may know some things that they've been doing that, you know, I, I need to clean that up. I need, to, I need to stop acting that way. I need to start tr stop treating people that way. I need to put that under submission to the Lordship of Christ. But the question for every person isn't how much do you know. The question is what do you know? What do you know? And at that point, I, I, I have a decision to make to wholeheartedly or not wholeheartedly serve Christ. And say, for what I know now, I know I should start going to church. I know I should start studying about him. I, I know uh, two or three things. I, should, I probably should stop, you know, getting drunk every weekend. I should probably do some things. I need to stop that and, and do that. You know, I, I tell the story all the time that when my dad the first time my dad prayed a, a sinner's prayer, uh, he would tell you that when he cried out to God, he thought that meant he wouldn't get drunk every weekend and he wouldn't run around with other men's wives. That was the sum total of what he knew. He had a lot of growing to do, but that was the wholehearted, full commitment that he understood at that moment. And God began a process of work in his life. The second part of it is this, how I seek. The how I seek reveals my heart attitude towards God. Am I hungry to be pleasing to him? Do I desire to know him? Am I open to learning and growing? Uh, again, friends, this is why we, we challenge you these months to make an appointment with God. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been serving, no matter how much you think you know, we find him when we seek him. And when we make that appointment with God and we ask God to reveal his way to our heart, suddenly he begins to speak to us about things. Suddenly in preaching, we hear things we didn't hear before. When we read the Word, we see things we didn't see before. When, we, when we're around teaching, we, get, we learn things we didn't know before. And, and we begin to grow and understand Him more because we are seeking Him. Because He promises, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Listen, most of our prayer times are so shallow. Most, most people's prayer times are all about our requests for stuff. 
heal this person, do this for me, take care of this. It's all about the, the third part of, our, uh, of, of the Lord's Prayer, which is give us today our, our daily needs. And, and we've skipped the first two parts about hallowing the name of God and asking for God's will to come into our life. And we need to take time with those to listen, to learn. And then the third part comes hand in hand with that. When I learn something, when I am convicted by something, when something, a truth of God's kingdom is revealed to me, when do I obey? How long does it take me to obey? Am I open or am I resistant? Do I excuse things away when God begins to convict me and speak to me and try to push them away? Or do I say, no, I need to understand this. I need to embrace this. This is the way I need to live my life because he is Lord. The wholehearted commitment is looking to learn. Remember, the Christian has confessed him as Lord. We have sworn allegiance to him. The Christian wants to live a life pleasing to God. But here's our problem. Our hearts don't want to live by the rules of, of God and the, of God's kingdom. Our flesh longs to run off its own way. So we give up or we make excuses and we justify our rebellion and we become part of the lukewarm. Listen, churches and Christians are doing this all around our country today. They are giving in to the kingdom code of our culture instead of living by the kingdom code of Jesus. They are dismissing God's kingdom code for the moral actions of our life. And they're celebrating those things as if they are Christian principles. A few years ago, uh, some of our missionaries were here, and, and in our missions celebration that comes up here in a couple months, you'll discover that there are people who go to countries that are they're very open to say where they're going and what they're doing. And there are, other, uh, there, are, there are other people who are going to what we call sensitive countries. And when they're going to these sensitive countries, they ask us, hey, don't put anything on, on social media about this. Don't put anything on, uh, on uh, you know, your websites about this. There are people out there who do word searches and searches for missionaries going to those places and, and those countries are trying to keep missionaries out. China was one of those countries for a long time. And we had missionaries that were there, but they, they, were, they were there for many different reasons. They were there to teach English, so they will do a lot of things, but they were a part of it. And one of our, one of our missionaries was coming, they'd been there for many years, and they said to us, we're, we're leaving China, and they were going to another country that will remain unnamed for right now. Uh, they, they were leaving and going. I said, well, why, why are you doing that? They said, well, China is not that sensitive of, of a country. I said, when we went there, you couldn't openly pass out Bibles. Now you can. When, when we went there, the only churches that were allowed were very structured and controlled by the government, and, and now they're not. Now we have, uh, there's more freedom, and it's not quite as sensitive as a country as it used to be, and so now there's a lot of freedom. In the next few years, the predictions began to come because God was moving so dramatically in China that it wouldn't be, that within the next 20 years, uh, that China would be the largest Christian populated number of people, not percentages, but number of people, 
the largest number of people that would be born again Christians would be in China. Now, with that, what's happened is this. The Chinese government has cracked down on Christianity again. They're now tearing down churches. They are now arresting pastors and leaders and throwing them in jail. There's persecution now returning to the, to, against the Christian church in China. But let me tell you something, friend. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. In, Mus- in some Muslim countries today, they arrest Christians, they torture Christians, the persecution. There's never been a We don't see it too much, but there's never been a greater day of persecution against the church than there is today when it comes to sheer volume of people who are being persecuted because they say they're followers of Christ. And in some countries, their lives are being taken from them simply because they're Christians. This has not been uncommon through the history of the world, but of his kingdom there will be no end. No matter what force or what power comes against the church, there will always be people who rise up and live faithfully. In America today, they are trying to chase the message of Christianity out of the public square. Do you understand that in our Congress today, they've taken out any verbiage when they swear to tell the truth, any verbiage about God has been taken out of it. They're trying to take God out of every public square that they can. Some leaders are even trying to attack the beliefs of the church as hate speech. There are some who want to force the the, the church to hire people who are philosophically opposed to our beliefs and yet still put them in our schools to teach our students. There are some who threaten our tax-exempt status if we don't comply with the rules of their kingdom. There are talk show hosts and sitcoms that speak to undermine the kingdom code of Christianity. And there are churches that are going along with it, compromising the very word of God. Well, hear me today. If every church in America compromises the word of God, if, 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 if every one of us give in to the kingdom codes of our culture, if every church will cower in silence on the moral issues of the day, if every church decides to fly the rainbow flag out in front of their church building, it doesn't matter. There will always be a remnant of people who will follow the kingdom of God. His kingdom will never end. The Jewish leaders tried to stamp it out in Jesus' day. In the first generation of of the church, the Roman government tried to kill it off. In the years that would come, corrupt religious leaders tried to subvert the truth. Over the centuries, educational systems, religious systems, other kingdoms have been trying to dismantle Jesus' kingdom, and that's been going on from the very day Jesus was born. But of his kingdom, there will be no end. 
If all the world tries to recreate his kingdom and passes laws to try to make mankind comply to their concept of the kingdom of God, there will always be a group of people who will say, not me, I will serve the Lord. Hebrews describes a day when the battles of the kingdom were at some of their worst for some people. For some of the world, it's still very, very bad today. But one of the, this is one of the reasons why missions is important. But in Hebrews, the writer says this, they were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And then the Spirit of God says, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Friends, the the kingdom of God will never end. The glory of the kingdom revealed in this Christmas message, the power of it is that God was saying, I'm sending my son and his kingdom will be with you forever. Now, how do you make, how do people make this commitment that no matter what I think or what I feel, I'm going to submit myself to the Lordship of Christ. No matter what pressure comes on me, no matter what threat of life comes upon me, no matter what things are taken from me, no matter how much the world wants me to celebrate their way, no matter how enticing it may be or inviting it may be, I'm going to trust God's word and God's will instead of my own. How we overcome our, how do we overcome our nature and the world pressure? When Jesus was on the earth, Nicodemus came to him one night trying to discover who Jesus was. And Jesus gives him the startling answer. It says in chapter 3 of John, The man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God and no one can do these things and signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Friend, Jesus' kingdom cannot be lived out in our willpower. Uh, your promise or pledge will not give you the strength to live it. Surrounding ourselves with like-minded believers won't help us in the deepest days of challenge to our own spirits, whether that's just our own spirits being challenged or pressure from this, wor- from this world. The rules or the law, has, they've never fixed the heart. You can memorize all the scriptures you want to. They have never given mankind to live, uh, mankind the power to live by the kingdom, by the rules of the kingdom of Jesus' code. What Jesus was saying is that the spirit of man has to be repaired by the spirit of God.
I have to be born again. And when the real test comes, when the real test comes, whether that's a test of will I bow to my society or whether that's a test of will I bow to my own bitterness or hatred or lust or corruption, when the real test comes, if I'm not born again, if I don't have the presence of God moving in my life, if I don't have the strength of God alive inside of me, I will not be able to stand. What is a wholehearted commitment to God? The willful desire to obey today and to grow tomorrow that is inspired by the Spirit of God living in me because I've invited him into my life. That comes when we walk in contact with God, when we know him and we want to please him first. Again, this is why having this time with God. Think about this, friends. If you can't overcome your flesh long enough, if you can't overcome your flesh enough to resist its selfish desire to not pray, if you can't overcome that spiritual conflict where your body says, I'm going to sleep in today, where your body says, I'm too busy for that today, when your body, when your mind wanders and you can't bring that thing in, if you can't resist that battlefield, how are you going to resist these other battlefields? How are you going to resist a culture in all of its force and all of its acceptance and and rejection and all. How are you going to resist that? See, this is the problem in the world today. The culture is pushing against us and generations of people are being swept away from it because they've never, all they've had is this head knowledge of God and they've never had this born again connection with God. They've never learned where the strength is at. They've never learned where the power is at. They've never really walked in a relationship with him that's begun to transform them, that's filled them with joy and filled them with hope and filled them with peace. And so now the pressure comes against them on something just as simple as, you you better be praying You better be praying. Or the pressure comes against them sexually or the pressure comes against them in some other issue of this culture. And we cave in because we can't do it on our own. This is why we need this time. We've got to sit and say, God, I hear you. I hear what pastor's saying. Your word says, if I seek you, I'll find you. If I seek you with all my heart. God, every day I'm coming to this point. For one thing, I'm here to seek you. Not just here to ask for stuff. Look, it's okay to ask for stuff. God tells us to pray that. But he also tells us to seek him. To seek him. That's where the real riches are at. That's where it's really at. 2,000 years after the birth of Christ, the glory of Christmas is revealed in a promise that no matter what forces come against the kingdom of God, of his kingdom, there will be no end. 
The powers of this world have tried to stamp it out. The power of our flesh has tried to get it to be cast out of our hearts. But people, there's always been a people who put Christ first. Come what may. Come what may. It may be hard, it may be tough, and in some places of the world today, it's very, very hard. In our place of the world today, it's seductively hard. But of his kingdom, there will be no end. We're called to be on the right side of eternity. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We invite you to come into our lives today and to strengthen us today. Father, as we come to you as our Lord and as our Savior, I pray you'd help us to stand against the pressures of our own flesh. Father, help us to stand against the, uh, the perceived wisdom of our own minds and submit our, our thinking our values to your word. Let your wisdom come upon us. Help us to stand against the pressure of maybe family, maybe our culture. Help us to be a people who are ever faithful to you. In Jesus' name. We have about seven minutes before we're going to go today. I'm going to ask Dan just to lead us in a, a, a couple of songs. And today, if you feel, just if you, you're a Christian, maybe you're not a Christian, but you feel an absolute commitment, say, Lord, I want to make my pledge again to you. I want you to be first in my life. I want you to show me everything in me that's not of your kingdom. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be yours. No matter what pressures my flesh puts on me, no matter what pressures the world would put on me, no matter what pressures family or others would put on me, I want to hear your word, know your word, and follow you first. I want to be a part of your kingdom holy. And as we sing this song, I just want to invite you to come down around the, the altar just as a, as a statement of pledge to God today. God, I want to be holy, wholeheartedly yours. As we sing, you come.